You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. In this series, Life in Christ, we walk through 1 John, written to the church for our joy, our holiness, and our assurance. We're going to continue our journey through 1 John, and we're going to pick up as we look in um, 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at the first uh, six verses again. Uh, Nate has kind of primed the pump a little bit about what John's going to be talking about. Hopefully you're reading along with us uh, it, just a little bit at a time as, as we go through this. So you might have an idea of what is happening. I, I told Nate last week, I said, this one might be a, a tough one to, to rein in because whenever you open up the, the box, unfortunately, of false teachers and those that do not preach the gospel... Um, that could be a very vast thing still today, which is a sad commentary, but it's just the truth. It was the truth for uh, those that John was writing to back in the first century, and it's, it's true for us today. So today we'll, we'll see what John wants to uh, tell us and show us and help us um, so that we are not led astray by those that are teaching false um, ideas of who Jesus is, that they're being led by the spirit of the Antichrist, and um, we can overcome that because we have the spirit of God dwelling in us. Again, as we continue our journey through 1 John, we come upon another comparison. Um, he's going to use the comparison of, of what good teachers are and what false teachers are, and then he's going to give us one hinged um, idea, one hinged main test that we need to look at, and that's what they speak about and what they say about who Christ is. Again, this idea is, is prevalent, it's everywhere, um, and uh, we need to be informed and we need to, to know how to test the spirits as John wants us to. Again, in 2013, a Christian rapper and pastor named Shai Lin stirred quite a controversy with the song False Teachers. He just, he just put it out there. <laughs> it is a critique of the prosperity gospel, and in it he names and calls on Christians outside of America, because he's not, I, I do not believe, maybe I'm completely wrong, but he was pointing to Africa, and as we are exporting the prosperity gospel to these poor, um, poorer third world countries that really don't have much, and they're saying, if you give me all that you have, then God will bless you. And that is just a terrible thing. So he, he wrote this song called False Teachers. And some of the lyrics in it go like this. Don't be deceived by this funny biz. If you come to Jesus for money, then he's not your God. Money is. Jesus is not a means to an end. The gospel is. He came to redeem us from sin. And that is the message forever I yell. If you're living your best life now, you're heading for hell. Turn off TBN, that channel is overrated. The pastors speak bogus statements, financially motivated. It's kind of like a pyramid scheme. Visualize heretics Christianizing the American dream. It's foul and deceitful. They're lying to people, teaching that camels squeeze through the eye of a needle. Calling out and identifying false teachers is neither fun or popular. However, it is both biblical and Necessary. They're often more dangerous and plentiful than many Christians realize. As we continue our journey through 1 John, we come upon this comparison. As I have been reminding you, this is a teaching device John has used throughout the book. He'll always compare and contrast. Are you walking in the light? Are you 
walking in the dark. Do you love? Do you not love? This timing is a comparison between true prophets and false prophets, between true Christ and the Antichrist, that which is of the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the world. And we know that we learned in chapter 2 that the Spirit of the world is controlled by Satan. That's it's his world right now. Here in chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, John makes it clear in words similar to those in chapter 2 that, that the greatest danger to the church is not outside the church, it's inside the church. Therefore, we must test the spirits. We must be diligent in testing the spirits. We must know the word and, and know what the Bible says so that we can test these spirits. Because not all of them are from God. John provides us with three test questions, and then he comes along with a great truth. So that's kind of the, the pattern that we'll be following today is these three test questions in a great truth. And these questions, by the way, are so very important because they have eternal significance. They have absolute eternal significance because if you get Jesus wrong, you're wrong on so much. You are wrong on so much. So getting Jesus right is paramount importance. So let me just read verses 1 through 6 for us. Read along with me. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have come out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word, Lord. And Lord, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to not only help me, but to help everyone who is listening to see your word, Lord, and to see Jesus for who he truly is, to take these questions that, that John is presenting us, ask them of ourselves, hide them in our hearts so that whenever we are pressed in and pushed about, about different teachings, that we can discern what is true and right. And thankfully, Lord, you give us this wonderful truth that this spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit from you is greater than any spirit that we face or come up against in this world and in this life. Father, we just give you great praise and we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. The first question John asks is simple this. Are you following false prophets? Are you following false prophets? Prophets, 1 John 4, 1, I beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see that whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Are you following false prophets? Are you taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and putting it together and making your own theology? And what really happens is what we do is we form God into our image. Okay, let me just say this. Sorry, I was, I've been watching Chandler a little bit, so I might get a little crazy here today, because um, that's how he is. Um, uh, just let me ask this question. If you don't disagree with the God that you worship, you're probably not worshiping the God of the Bible. 
You are probably worshiping a God that you have devised. This sort of looks like you, and you add a little things to it, and, and this is the God that I'm going to worship. So if the God that you worship never disagrees with you, you're in trouble. You're not following the God of the Bible because he's always, he, John has pushed in on us and pushed in on us and challenged us. Are you a really a true Christian? Are you a true Christian? All through this book. So the, the God of the Bible is the God that we need to worship, the God that it describes in Jesus, who he is. John again begins with words of affection. You can hear the pastoral tone. It's, it's not that he wants to beat them down. He's trying to warn them. You know, the bridge is out. You're going against the bridge. Don't go over to the edge. He's just trying to love on them. As a pastor, he deeply cares for his brothers and sisters in Christ and wants to warn them of the danger that is lurking about, possibly within their gathering. This was the issue. I mean, that's one of the main reasons John wrote this letter, that these false teachers are coming in and teaching something different about Jesus. Because he cares for them, he is warning them. Do not believe every spirit. John is reminding them of something that he has already brought to their attention. That is, there are antichrists. There is a spirit about people, the spirit that is working in people that is not of God. It is of Satan, of the world. He's already put this together for us in chapter 2. It's those who teach falsely about Jesus Christ, about who Jesus is. This is a warning that is not new to John's teachers, to John's listeners, to, to the ones that John is writing to. They, they've heard this, right? Matthew, that we read before, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They heard it from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Paul warned us in Acts, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Remember, Satan has one goal, one goal only, and that is to, to take you away from Christ, to take you away from God. He, he can't destroy God. He's already the defeated foe. Right? So we, can't, we don't need to be afraid in, in that manner. He's already been defeated. It's just the culmination of that has not completely fulfilled yet. Peter warned us, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Jude even warns it. Now, if this is something that's consistently coming up in all these writers, it's something that we need to be at least have on our radar a little bit. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So our goal is to determine if these prophets are from God or if their origin is to be found in another source, in a different kind of spirit. And I, I know that stretches some of you. I know that some of you hear that, that this idea that, that there's actually two worlds happening, it's God's kingdom and, and the, the kingdom of, of, of Satan, that it's actually happening as we speak right now. I know that's hard and it's a stretch, but it's completely biblical. It's completely biblical. John's point is straightforward. Behind every prophet, behind every teacher, every proclamation, there's an energizing spirit. 
And that energizing spirit either comes from God or it comes from Satan. That's what he's trying to, to say here. And these false prophets are everywhere. Many have gone out, is what John is saying. Many have gone into the world, John says. Uh, Danny Aiken calls them demonically inspired missionaries on Satan's assignment. In other words, just like as we make disciples and go and send out to go um, and preach the gospel to all the, the worlds, so is Satan doing the same thing to disrupt that, to stop that. John calls us first not to believe every spirit, and then he calls us to test the spirits. And those words in the, in the Greek, and I won't get too deep into that, but they're ongoing things. In other words, it's just not a one-time thing. that You should be ongoing. You should be always not believing these spirits and always testing these spirits. Okay, John, so how are we going to do this? How are, how are we going to make the test? I mean, there's all kinds of things, and, and, and as Nate kind of um, spoke about, that there's some secondary things that we can disagree in, but we can still gather together and be a church and, and love on Jesus, and, but there's certain things that are absolutely have to be in line with the Bible, or we're not Christians. We're something else. We're not worshiping the God of the Bible. We're worshiping someone else. Right? So what is this test? What is the test that John is? Like, like I said, it, whenever you talk about false teachers, you can go a, a thousand different ways, but I wanted to keep to the text. And the text says that the one thing that is the test is, are you confessing the true Jesus? So he takes it all right back to here. Are you confessing the true Jesus? Right? This is verses 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Once again, John it makes it plain that Christianity is rooted and grounded in the Christological question. Who is Jesus? If we get this question wrong, everything else is going to be wrong. Who is Jesus? If he is just another enlightened religious teacher, he is permitted and tolerated as one opinion, one option among many. Right? He's just among all the different religious teachers. Well, we can, you know, the bumper sticker, we can just coexist. Well, no. I know some people don't like the language that, that, I mean, that's why I had Tim start up at the narrow road and the wide road. It's a very narrow road to make it to heaven. It's, we just can't bring in everything that we want because it feels good. A lot of the things that the Bible says is going against our flesh. Right? It's going against our flesh and it's, it's going to feel hard, but, but the Spirit will work through it. Our brothers and sisters come alongside of us and love on us and help us through those times. If, however, he is the very incarnation of God, then the gospel and the only the gospel is true. And he is the only viable option for salvation amid the multitudes of imposters. So many imposters. Verse 2 puts the issue in a positive light, and verse 3 puts it in a negative. What, what confession bears witness to the presence of the Spirit of God? What is the confession in the positive light? 
That's the positive end of it. What, what are they confessing? These teachers, what, what can you be believing? Okay, you're listening in. Who are they saying Jesus is? What are they confessing? And he says, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and is from God. We go back to John 1.14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Fully God, fully man, that's who Jesus is. That's the incarnation. No deviance, deviance from that. It's, it's fully man, fully God, that's who Jesus is. There, there was a true union, a divine word, the Son of God, with a human personality in Jesus Christ. He was fully human, fully God. The incarnation was not a temporary event, but the permanent union of God and man in Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God always honors Jesus Christ. So if someone's standing there, if you're talking to them, and it doesn't necessarily need to be somebody standing behind a pulpit. It could be somebody within the church or somebody, you know, that goes to other churches or different, different, or different places that you, you discuss theological ideas. The idea behind this is that, that the Holy Spirit is going to give you the right Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to glorify Jesus. Right? That's, that is his job. His one job is to glorify Jesus, not to glorify man, not to glorify what man can do, but to glorify Jesus. That is his job. That's what John 16 tells us. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. So John's logic, John's thinking, what he's saying is, okay, the, those that are possessed by the Holy Spirit will point you to the true Jesus because that's the only thing that the Holy Spirit can truly do is point you to the true Jesus. If there is no glorifying of Jesus as God incarnate, then there is no Spirit of God present. So, if you're listening to a message, if you're listening to someone talk, and it's all about them or it's all about you, they're not glorifying God in that, right? Right? It's, it's, our job is to lift up Christ so you see him for who he is, and that's what changes our heart from one glory to another. So, so if, if you're listening to podcasts or if you're talking amongst yourselves and, and, and it's all about you, 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 or about me, 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 because a lot of people will stand up here and say, look how awesome I am. Now you come and follow me. And oh, by the way, yeah, Jesus gave us all this. No, that's wrong also. So the, the identifying factor is who are they pointing to? Who are they pointing you to? Anybody other than Jesus is a false gospel. They need to be pointing you to Jesus because the Holy Spirit, if they're dwelling in them, is pointing you to Jesus all the, all the time. Having given positive evidence that a man's spirit is inspired by the Spirit of God, John now deals with the negative. Those who deny the truth of the incarnation of the Son of God are not of God and are of the Antichrist. When it comes to what people believe about Jesus, the early church was plagued much like today. So, let me give you an example, trying to put some of this together. This is how my mind thinks. Maybe it'll help you. It'll help some. It probably won't help others. But let's take a person. Let's take a real person in history. Let's look at what John has said so far and look at what they have promoted and brought in as a false teaching of who God is and specifically who Jesus is. And maybe we can start to see and put together, you know, tactile way of what he is trying to show us. 
And the example I thought of, first off, and mainly because many of you probably have brushed up against them. And now, when I go saying this, I'm not saying that just because they're believing this, that somehow they're your enemy. You are to love them. In fact, what John's going to tell us next is, is the most loving thing you could do is do the hard thing and show them where they're wrong. Show them from where they're wrong in the Bible, right? Show them that, that okay, look, this is what they're teaching, but let me show you what the, what the Bible says, right? That, that's the most loving thing that we can do. So the thing that I thought maybe most of us would have brushed up against would be the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is Mormonism, right? Now, many of the things that the Mormons believe, right, that they believe, um, we, would, we would agree with. That we, would, we would think in the same ways and moralistically and, and different things like that. But see, what John, what's John's test? John's test is what do they say about Jesus? That's the test. That's the test. That's the ultimate test. Again, the, for those of you, I, I don't want to go deep into the, the history, but the Mormon religion was founded by a, a man named Joseph Smith who claimed to have a vision from God. He was 14 years old, heard the James passage that said that if you go and pray, God will speak to you. And, um, and so he did, and, and this was a pattern of his life. In 1830, Smith published the Book of Mormon, which contains the story of the lost Israelites who migrated to America in the 6th century B.C., but were killed in battle in A.D. 428. Smith continued to have visions. He said he had a vision from John the Baptist and, and from different, different times. So John, what John is saying here is saying, test the spirits. Who is Joseph Smith hearing from? He's hearing from somebody, he claims, so let's take him at his word. He's hearing from somebody. Test the spirits, John is warning us. Did Joseph Smith hear from God or did he hear from Satan? Does he have the Spirit of God in him or the Spirit of Antichrist? This is what John is asking us. This is what he's asking us to do. The test is, does jo Joseph Smith confess that Jesus Christ comes in the flesh, is from God? Do they confess that, right? Do they confess that? So, Kevin DeYoung lays it out this way. Mormons believe Jesus is Redeemer, God and Savior, he is endless and eternal, the only begotten Son of the Father. Through Jesus, the Heavenly Father has provided a way for people to be like Him and to live with Him forever. But this familiar language does not mean the same thing to Mormons as it does to Christians. Jesus was born of the Father just like all the spirit children. God is His Father in the same way He is Father to all. Whatever immortality or good godhood Jesus possesses, they are inherited attributes and powers. He does not share the same eternal nature as the Father. Jesus may be divine, but his is derivative divinity. As one Mormon theologian puts it, Jesus is God the second, the Redeemer. You see the, the nuances that they're saying it. Okay, he is not fully God. He, he was a man that was birthed by God and that he came into his godness, so to speak, right? He grew into it, it, it use it. And, and by the way, just because I'm here and I'm doing this right now, the best thing you could do whenever you, you speak to somebody that has an opposite view of you is to know their view well enough that you can speak it in such respect. You'd be amazing how many different audiences you get if you do that. 
If, if whenever you, you're pushed up against something in anything in life and, and, and you need to, to step over the threshold and, and do that confrontation, I mean, if you know their argument as well as they know their argument, that shows that you at least respect them and it puts you on the same ground. Back to the sermon. Jesus was not born of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is straight out of the Brigham Young Journal. I'm bringing you straight from their writings. So this is not Kevin DeYoung analyzing anything. I want to bring you first source material. When the Virgin Mary conceived the child Jesus, the Father had begotten him in his own likeness. He was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's directly against Scripture, right? That's what we celebrate every Christmas. You've heard that sermon. Uh, is whatever, how many years you've been alive, right? That's directly against it. And who is the father? He is the first of the human family. Jesus, our elder brother, was begotten in the flesh by the same character that was in the Garden of Eden. And who is, and I don't even understand that one. And who is our father in heaven? Now remember from this time forth and forever that Jesus Christ was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. So, do you see? We're starting to move away from Jesus of the Bible. Okay? Platt says it this way. Jesus is the firstborn spirit child of the heavenly father and heavenly mother. This is what they believe. Jesus is a secondary God under God the Father. Did not possess deity in himself. Instead, progressed to deity in the spirit world. Okay, that is not the same Jesus of the Bible. Okay? So we can love on them. We might even be able to do some things with them that for a common good that we see in the Bible. Okay? But they're not going to the same heaven that we are because they do not believe in the same Jesus we believe in. The narrow road. The narrow road. This is what John is asking us to do. Test the spirits. And I know many of you are, are like, oh, that's, that's just hate speech. No, it's not. If it's truth, it's the most loving thing you can do. It's not hate speech. To test the spirit that brought us Mormonism would reveal that we should not believe this prophet, right? If, if we took the test that John is giving us and looked at all the evidence, then we would say, okay, that this is not true, that Joseph Smith is not a true prophet or teacher. He's a false prophet or teacher. I, Howard Marshall Wells says, if a person claims to believe in Jesus, it is proper to ask, is your Jesus the real Jesus? Is it the real Jesus? Again, what one thinks about Jesus has enormous consequences. In a real sense, it determines everything, which I've said a couple different times. Tell me what you think about Jesus, and I'll tell you 95% of your theology because it all comes from Jesus Christ. What you believe about him, it determines so much. All of it radiates out from him. So once more, he's asking the question, are you confessing the true Jesus? Are you confessing the true Jesus? And the only way that we are going to get the true Jesus is if we are listening to the right teachers. If we're listening to the right teachers. This is John's point in verses 5 and 6. Are you listening to the right teachers? There's our third question. Are you listening to the right teachers? In 5 and 6, he says this about the teachers. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. 
We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You know, so many times we, we, just as I have grown up in the faith, I actually have marks on my knees from my wife um, as we are sitting in places and people go down these roads and, and go down the paths as we're listening to messages and, and I'm starting to twitch and my wife digs her nails in to calm me down because it's like, you're stop it, that's not what the Bible says, you know? Um, this is what he's talking about, is that are you listening to true teachers? And the thing is, the Holy Spirit's going to let you know that. The Holy, there, are, there are those that right now are standing in front of 50,000 people, and they're preaching something. I don't think they're preaching the gospel. They're preaching something. I think they're preaching a man-centered, uh, secular salvation. You know, here it is. Um, and I'm pretty sure if I listened to about five minutes of that, my stomach would turn. And I'm sure many of you would be the same. And that's not because Joe's super spiritual. That's because of the Holy Spirit. And, and the thing is, is I know that I know, right, that even within this faith family, this is the idea of elders. This is the idea of, of people that get to know them. That if Joe goes wonky on something, Matt Ratcliffe is going to be in my grill. And he's going to say, Joe, you might need to send an email. <laughs> and I trust Matt. Because I've walked with him, and I've seen the Spirit work in him. Same way with my elders, with Tim and Sam and Chris. If I go wonky, they're going to say, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. That made me cringe what you said. Now, I know sometimes that, that I'm up here and I get, you know, words don't come to me, but theological ideas, right? This is the idea of the church. This is what it's all about. Again, who is the we that John is speaking of here? So he's saying, are you listening to the right teachers? And the way that he's telling those that he's talking to in this congregation, in, in 1 John, he's talking about the apostles. Hey, are you listening to the apostles? Or are you listening to these dudes that, that have taken what the apostles have taught and Jesus has taught and twisted it and, and running on their, their own rail? So this is who he's talking to. He's saying, are you listening to the apostles? Remember the, the evidence he gave us when he started the letter, right? Let's go back to, to 1 John 1, 1. That which was from the beginning, talking about Jesus, he's given us good Jesus here, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So why can you believe these apostles? Because they've touched him, seen him, and were with him, Right? That's the, the evidence he's given. So are we listening to the right teachers? John yet again draws a contrast between those of the world, the, the ones that are under Satan's control and organized system controlled by Satan, the world, that's how he defined, defined it, and those who are from God. In verse 5, he speaks of those who are from the world. Those who are from the devil's domain speak out of that worldview and with the, the Spirit's inspiration. They speak satanic sermons, they deliver demonic discourses, and those who belong to that worldview listen to and embrace their teachings. Now, I know there's extremes to this, so, you know, you, you, use your discernment of what he's painting here. 
Therefore, we should never be surprised when the lost think like lost people and live like lost people. Why are we surprised at that? We shouldn't be. It doesn't mean that they're our enemy. It means that we love them because we need to present the truth to them. Right? The, the, the path they're on is leading to hell. And oh, by the way, Jesus has come for you to be saved. He died on the cross for you. He took the wrath that you deserved. He paid the penalty. And you are and can be forgiven if you trust in him. This is true even for those who once claimed to believe in and follow Christ. Remember, he said that there was, in, in chapter 2, he said there were those that were among us, but they have left us. And the leaving of us shows that they were really not among us. And so let's take that down into the, into the person's heart, right? So he's saying that they, that they were here, they were among us, they were speaking some truths here, but because they left and now they're teaching a false Jesus, it shows that they did not have the Spirit of God in them, they had the Spirit of the Antichrist in them. They were not saved, right? They, they still had a hard heart. Maybe they were preaching Christ for their own benefit, and some people, sometimes, this is the, the discerning part. This is the hard part. Some people that you love dearly are, are, are giving you completely false things about the gospel and about who Jesus is, and they really believe them. And you're like, man, I just want to. And, and, and the only reason why they are in that position is because that was been what they've been taught. That's all they've been taught. So this is where love always has to win the day. It always has to win the day. And the most loving thing we could do is tell people the truth as it is found in Scripture. Verse 6 for us paints a different picture. Those who know God through confessing Jesus as the incarnate Christ and Savior listen to those who were with Him, who were commissioned by Him. John 8, 47 is a very good commentary John 8, 47 is a good commentary on verse 6. It says, Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. See, there's, there's no Jesus plus or Bible plus theology for those who truly know God. And there is no Jesus minus or Bible minus theology either. This is how you can without question tell the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception is whether or not you hear the word of God truly. How in the world are we supposed to navigate all this, Joe? Are we supposed to know all these different teachings? Like, am I supposed to somehow learn every different false teaching that's out there? You probably spend the rest of your life doing that. No, that's not what we do. What we do is, is the idea of how they train people to deal with money all the time. How do they teach somebody to identify a fake $100 bill? Do they give them hours and hours and hours and hours of training and show them all the different fake $100 bills that has come along in the world? No, they don't. What they do is they show them a true $100 bill and they make them look at it and look at it and look at it and examine it and give them different things that they need that, that has to be there. Then that way when that fake $100 bill rolls across their eyes, they can see it just like that. And that's exactly what John is saying. It's the teaching of the Bible 
We need to know it and know it and just read it and get it in our hearts so that when the fake thing comes by, we know it just like that. Again, we read the Bible that's written by the apostles who possess the same spirit that dwells in you. And this spirit, John says, this spirit, that's, that's, that's why we, we do everything on a Sunday morning grounded in the word. You come in and, and we sing the word and then someone comes up here and speaks the word and we pray the word and then we sing the word and then we preach the word and then we sing the word. It's all about the Bible and the word of God. So it is in you. So that whenever that false teacher comes by and the Holy Spirit jumps up and, oh yeah, well that's not right because I know what the Bible says. I know who that true Jesus is. We see it. It's a wonderful thing. And that spirit that dwells in us, we finish with John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You are a child of God with the Spirit of God dwelling in you. God has given you the inner power of the truth to enable you to withstand error. The Holy Spirit's always going to be glorifying Jesus. If he's dwelling in you, then that means as we read, we see who Jesus is. And then when something false comes along, the Spirit's going to make us cringe. He's going to do whatever he does inside of you that he does. Um, and then we see that it's not the true Jesus. You can overcome the temptation to accept false doctrine. False doctrine feeds the flesh. It appeals to the old man. Why? Because before we were saved, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and we, were, we belonged to the prince of the power of the air. So do, do you see the correlation here? Right? So, so those that, that are not saved, that, that the gospel has not changed their hearts yet, right? They're living under the prince of the power of the air. That's the same people that he's talking about. He, he calls them antichrist or of the world, right? And then, then God changes our hearts and, and we receive him as savior and we repent, right? And then the Holy Spirit's dwelling in us to do all that. So therefore, we can overcome any temptation because all of that false doctrine feeds the old man. It feeds the flesh. He talks about that, 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 that the world will listen to the worldly teaching, right? The world will listen to the worldly teaching. False belief is as much a sin as unrighteous behavior or the lack of love. Victory over it, however, is not due to any innate strength of believers, but rather the fact that the one who lives in you is greater than the one who is at work in the world. You are a child of God. You have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. Our God is infinitely stronger. Are false prophets wise? Sure, they can be slick, real slick. Yes, but our God is infinitely wiser. Is Satan powerful? Yes, but he's defeated. God is infinitely more powerful. This is not an even battle. In no way is this an even battle. He is a, a, a dying being that is just fluttering around to see who he can take out as he goes down at the appointed time. And this one who is infinitely stronger, wise, and greater, now and forever, is in you through the Holy Spirit. 
A battle is indeed raging for the hearts, the minds, and the souls of men and women. Be a good soldier of Christ in the cross. Know that you are a child of God, that you have the Spirit dwelling in you. Hide his word in your heart. Read it, know it, ask questions about it. Test the spirits. Confess Christ as Lord. Trust the Holy Spirit who is within and stay saturated in the word. Stay saturated in the word. Here is your strength. Here is your safety. The word is your salvation. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for not only that you give us a warning, but then you, you help us and show us how to do the test, to how to work through this, to give us some grounding to see it, to give us a starting point to, to observe and investigate. And Lord, I pray that each one here, Lord, that, that they would saturate themselves in the Word so they will not be brought into the broad path that leads to the destruction but they will stay on that narrow path. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will help us do that. And Lord, I pray for anybody here that may not know you. Lord, I pray that they've heard the gospel, that you have changed their hearts, that they may repent and believe and trust and turn from living for the world and themselves and live for you and all that you have done for us. Father, we just pray for them. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.